This is Ross Jones, your business coach with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bits, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss. We share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. So hello and welcome to Bold Business Bits podcast show. This is Rose Jones and today I'm joined by Emma Knight-Strong, owner of Green Arch Consulting. Hi, Emma. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure. Emma, your line of your line of work just fascinates me and I just want you to just share, please, what is it that Green Arch Consulting is all about and how did you get to start it? Green Arch Consulting is a strategic sustainability advisory consultancy, which is a lot of words, really. What we do is we think about how to embed sustainability into the day-to-day strategy and decision-making of businesses, any size, any sector, anywhere in the world. I kind of got to this point, I launched Green Arch Consulting three years ago, in fact, three years ago yesterday. Oh, (laughs) which was very exciting. Um, Longest day of the year. It makes it easier for me to remember the, the anniversary. But my background, I always wanted to work in the environmental sector. It's vocational for me. I've always cared about the environment. And what I found when I was studying environmental management and then a master's in environmental law was the impact that I could have sitting in a tent watching lions was one thing, but the impact that I could have if I changed the way the business operates was another thing entirely. And it was difficult for me to get my head around that because I wanted to be David Attenborough. I wanted to be on, you know, I wanted to be telling people how wonderful lions were. And I didn't necessarily want to be the headline TV person, but I did kind of like the idea of that. But then what I found was actually the business side, the way that businesses work, the way that businesses operate, and particularly the decisions that businesses are making on a day-to-day basis are, are having such a huge impact on the environment that isn't really, still isn't really accounted for and isn't really considered. And that completely changed my outlook on what I wanted to achieve. I worked in environmental consulting, and then I spent five years at what was the UK Green Investment Bank, which is now the Green Investment Group, and I got some really great exposure to the sustainable finance market and the impact that investing can have on transitioning to a green economy. But what I really loved about those jobs was where I got to work with businesses to change the way that they made decisions, to really embed sustainability into the way that they made decisions. And I loved that. I really enjoyed working with the risk team to get them thinking more about sustainability elements or working with the investment committee to think about that or, you know, any number of 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 questions that can be asked and answered by colleagues who have no sustainability expertise, but who have a lot of control over elements that impact sustainability. So that's what I wanted to do with Green Arch Consulting. I set that up as a business specifically to work with 
with other businesses of any size, any sector, anywhere in the world to really think it through and really think through the practicalities of, okay, we've made this wonderful environmental statement or we've got this lovely environmental policy. How do we then practically implement that through our day-to-day business? Yeah. And that's so interesting because I've just been thinking a lot about business values. Business values being so important in order to attract the right employees and the right customers and how do you then sort of disseminate that throughout a business you know how do you get everybody to buy into that or do you recruit them on the basis that actually this is our values do you agree with it it's a really good question what I'm finding now more and more is that actually everyone in the business is already bought in right Likelihood is, you know, there, there is a bias to this in that by the time they come to me, they already know that they want to change. Yeah. And I have set my own set of business values where I only really want to work with businesses that want to make a change, that are, that are committed to making a change. I'm not particularly interested in helping a business tick the box by just providing a bit of CPD training or a policy if they need it. I want to work with a business that that might not be able to change immediately, but is in the long term really bought into the concept. So what I find is that when we have workshops around why are we doing this, and that's often what I start with, is articulating that why. Why are we even thinking about sustainability in the first place as a business? everyone's already bought in they're just saying well I already do this at home I really want to do more in my in my job and you're not just finding that from the graduates and the millennials and the the gen x's that are coming in you're actually finding that from the md and the cfo and that's really interesting because that is a change and a shift that's happened just really in the last few years, there's obviously always been the purpose for the, you know, the, the purpose-based businesses that have operated differently. But some of my clients are not what you would refer to as purpose-based businesses. And they've all got this, this genuine interest in it. But that's where it's always stopped because they love the idea and then somebody brings them a business case and it costs a bit too much. So they go, oh, well, we'll shave, shelve that and think a bit. Yeah think a bit harder next time but what's happening now is they're seeing the business case and they're saying okay yes it is going to cost us more right now but we can't afford not to do this because our investors need us to do it or our stakeholders our clients and our customers need us to do it so let's find where where are we going to find the money from and so the 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 conversation has completely changed which is fascinating and what's the outcome that they're looking for? Is it a reputational thing or is it, is it, can it be quantified in, in any way? I think it's a very good question. I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of my clients come to me because they want that reputational side. They're seeing more requests from customers and clients for sustainability information and what they want is help in saying sustainable stuff yeah what then happens is we delve into the detail of how okay that's fine we can write an environmental policy or we can write an environmental report of some sort that's absolutely fine we can do that I will not be saying anything in that report that I don't think we can justify I will not be saying anything in that policy that I don't think is correct But actually, once we do that, 
how are you going to back it up? How are you going to quantify that? And it comes back to accounting principles, funnily enough, which is what gets measured gets managed. And if you're not measuring it, you have not got a hope in hell of managing it. So we then go on that journey. And and that's why, to an extent, I refer to myself um, as a sustainability coach, because my job is to get my clients comfortable with sustainability concepts and data and collection and reporting so that they can then take it on themselves. They've all got a huge number of extremely valuable skill sets when it comes to sustainability. They just don't necessarily know how to put them all together. And that's my job is to help them do that. Yeah. Fabulous. And I guess that, well, I know that um, sustainability and environment is that they are, are all becoming increasingly more important we're more and more aware of these topics is it a female thing because females have typically been the sort of you know the the nurturing and it seems a sort of nurturing concept or is it how, how is it how, where's it coming from no it's a, and, a, and a, it's a really interesting one because i so i started off in uh, the environmental impact assessment field which often works either within or alongside planning, landscape architecture and, in, and engineering firms. And typically speaking, the environmental teams were closer to 50-50 in right. terms of male, female than any other department. You know, I, and I think part of that is potentially the, the, the caring side of things. But also I think those kind of soft values soft values for want of a better term yeah. the, the the benefit to mental health from from the natural environment and those kind of things are I don't know I don't know whether it's that women just automatically recognize that in a different way I I honestly don't know what the background is to that but I do tend to find that it's much more balanced in terms of di- uh, in terms of gender diversity, in particular, there is certainly an issue with with racial diversity in particularly in the UK sustainability market. But but gender diversity, I think, is definitely quite even. Yeah, um, maybe not at the top. So, and have you noticed any? Is there been a particular ramping up of this during the sort of pandemic? when everybody suddenly noticed how bright everything was, how much the birds were singing. Has that made a difference as well in raising people's sort of awareness of the need to, to go down this path? I think the, the lockdown and the pandemic gave a lot of people and a lot of, in particular, a lot of businesses time to think, which sounds counterintuitive because of course we were all firefighting no matter what business we would run or no matter what we would what job we were doing all of us were firefighting we were either too busy or we were furloughed and really stressed about it so it does sound counterintuitive yeah but what we saw during the during the lockdowns was a number of businesses at the strategic level the heads of those businesses sitting down and thinking how do we make our business work in the long term we've got a we've got a firefight right now but long term 
how is this new world going to impact us? There were there were more business meetings and networking meetings about pivoting and new product developments and all of that kind of stuff, far more than you would normally expect yeah. to see. And I think what that gave was a, an opportunity for businesses to really start thinking about this. And that coupled with far more information in the press far more information on on film uh, on you know tv and radio about climate change and the impact of that on business and then couple that with the fact that we're coming into uh, the climate negotiations in november in glasgow cop 26 all of that has just combined to mean that we've got this huge tipping point where businesses who were sort of thinking about it before the pandemic are now after the pandemic thinking we can't not do this you know we've we've had so many people focused on how our sustainability is working that we've got to do this now yeah fantastic and what about your in your career journey um yeah your your journey to where you're on a you know is it is a roller coaster life isn't it you know up and down up and down we go and so what about you what's what's been a has there been a time of adversity that you'd be willing to share with us emma where it was definitely down on that roller coaster, but actually you came out and something really good came out of it. Is there anything that you'd like to share with us? Well, I said earlier that I really wanted to be the next David Attenborough, and I decided that when I was eight years old. So I knew right from the start what I was going to do. And I, I even, you know, I made sure I was studying subjects that allowed me to... To, to, to go down that route although for some reason I didn't study media studies or any of the things that probably would have been quite useful for that kind of career it was more by bio, biology ecology environmental science what, what was it when you're eight that happened that made you suddenly realize that's what you wanted to do were you watching a David Attenborough film or something oh probably yeah. Probably. But also at that time, you know, when I was growing up, there were the, the cartoons on TV were things like Captain Planet, yeah. who was like my hero. Great. Yeah. I can still sing the song, <laughs> but I'm not going to put you through that. I just, I, I think there must have just been a culmination of concern over the environment. We had concerns over acid rain. We had all sorts of other things that were happening. And it was, it, you know, it, it just felt to me like something I really wanted to, to deal with. I also grew up in, in, you know, a rural area, went on holiday to rural areas as well. And the environment was just always something that I was, I was immersed in at all times. So I went to university and I studied environmental management. And as part of that, I got an opportunity to go on a research trip uh, to Malawi. We were in the, the Nika National Park in Malawi, which was really exciting. We got an opportunity to do all of these, all of these surveys. We also went out from the main camp to uh, secondary camps to do further surveys. That gave us a huge opportunity to get further and see more and, and do further surveys. What happened during that was a quite an interesting one. We got attacked by a, a hive of African killer bees, oh. which, wow. which, was quite, which was quite painful. I ended up getting stung on my head uh, well over 100 times. They're just very aggressive bees, and we didn't realise how aggressive they were, so we were sitting in this lovely meadow with lots of wildflowers and there were lots of bees around and it's the kind of thing that you don't really get frightened about and one of the uh, the other researchers with us was sort of going oh there's a bee there's a bee and we were like oh it's a bee you know don't you don't need to to swat it off it's just a bee and then we realized there were actually quite a lot of bees and they just 
started swarming us and it was quite scary and I ended up running in the wrong direction because I got stung in my eye and I was running with my eyes shut and I didn't know where I was going I was trying to get to the river but it turns out I what I was hearing was a waterfall which was a lot further away (laughs) I wanted to just get to the river and jump in the water and get them off me but uh yeah that didn't really work so I ended up getting stung well over a hundred times on my head, just on my head and then oh you know, down my shirt and uh, in my ears and up my nose and in my mouth. And what that has done, apart from make me very frightened of anything that buzzes, is I'm now massively allergic to bees. So I went surely that would, surely that would um, not that would give you the antibodies, wouldn't it? If you had all those, you'd have thought so. But apparently, that amount of poison poison all at once can make your body hypersensitive to it so you end up so basically if I get stung by a bee again my body will go oh it's happening again quick flood her with all of these with all of these histamines so it completely changed my life because I at that point after that point you know my plan was always to go and live and work in Africa and do research trips and hopefully get involved in you know film wildlife filming and photography but I'm now a, a total liability in the field. I'm, I'm for a start, I'm a wimp because I'm scared of anything buzzing until I know what it is. And for a second thing, I might die. Um, so, <laughs> so I had to think about how else to, to save the world. And I just t- decided that I should do it from behind a desk instead. It's a wow. bit safer. Wow, that's the story. I mean, I was actually in some woods at the weekend and all these rhododendron, they were, the whole place was like, there were thousands of bees, and I was just loving this constant droning of bees, like you know, licking all the pollen out of these rhododendron flowers. So that would have freaked you out, I guess. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. I was in New Zealand a few years ago, and there were bees absolutely everywhere, just huge bumblebees just swarming absolutely everywhere, and you were walking through clouds of them. And it, it didn't do my heart much good, I have to say. But it, but at the same time, I am still I have I have a degree in ecology. I am still I love bees. They are very, very important to the environment. I have a garden outside that I have deliberately let grow as wild as possible to allow as many bee species in as possible. I just have to manage the the anxiety that goes with that. Is it just Uh, African bees that you'd be allergic to or all bees? All bees, but the risk comes with the aggressive ones that that will attack you for very little reason. So, and, you know, in this country, I I have relatively little risk unless I sit on a bee or go and kick a hive, which I would hopefully never do. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So that, the bees basically gave us help give us you and, and uh, Greenhouse Consulting. To it did, yeah. Well, they well did. Done. I'm sure bees are so clever, aren't they? So well done, bees. I, I've got them to thank. Yes. <laughs> so what's next with um, Greenhouse Consulting? So as we come out of this time, and, and I'm guessing you're going to get just more and more inquiries and work to do. Is that, uh, what are you thinking? What's your plans? That's definitely the plan. I already have a a wonderful business partner who's based in Mexico, Bridget Reed, who is an ex-colleague as well from the Green Investment Group. She has been helping to expand the product offering. So we we do a lot more due diligence work as well for investors on, on environmental and social issues. She's already hired a couple of people to help her because the work is is picking up really, really fast. 
And yeah, so there's there's just bigger and better things really. You, can, you know, Green Arch Consulting is a boutique consultancy. I don't see us necessarily getting huge, but with the right people, we can definitely expand. Hopefully to, we, a lot for obvious reasons, most of my clients are currently UK based, but I'm looking forward to being able to expand outside the UK. Global, definitely global. Absolutely. And one of the, one of the questions that I like to ask my guests, um, Emma, is if I'm just starting a business and I'm standing in for you, what one piece of advice would you give me? Really think through the financial plan. If, if you're starting your own business, you're starting with something that you're passionate about, you care about, you probably know how to do that. That's absolutely great. The one thing that I think a lot of businesses don't necessarily think about is the day-to-day practicalities of the costs involved in a business. So how are you going to pay yourself? Do you have a backup plan? Do you have contingencies on contingencies on contingencies? How much money do you realistically need to pay yourself every month for you to be comfortable and and ultimately genuinely be comfortable? This isn't running your own business isn't about living on a shoestring. It's about having the lifestyle that you want. So if you've decided that your lifestyle is going to be jetting off all around the world, how much money do you realistically need to be pulling in and how are you going to achieve that? And bear in mind, it might take quite a few months for you to be able to convert that into a reality, if not years. So are you really in, in it for that? And, are you, and, and if you are not particularly good at the finances side, do you have someone who can help you with it? Because the one thing I have seen from a number of businesses who started about the same time as me is they didn't necessarily pay as much attention to the finances as I did, but then I'm a spreadsheet geek. So I love Gantt charts and and trackers and all sorts of things. But the ones who weren't paying attention to that made the mistake potentially of hiring other people too early and then couldn't afford to pay their salaries. And then, then things went wrong. There are only so many risks you can manage. Things like COVID have hit businesses, even the one, you know, even the businesses that were really, really prepared but I think that that really thinking through the financial strategy is really important. Thank you for that. And thank you. It's been so good to speak with you today. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Ross. Bye for now. This has been your Ross Jones Bold Business Bits podcast show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with bold business bits. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening.